Subway Rufus were back at it again with another installment of the Rufus Rundown. Um, yeah, season five, episode twenty-nine. Crazy to believe that we have made it this far, and I've actually done this many episodes in a calendar year. But uh, I guess we we're really—I was really looking to get to fifty-two. I mean, it's still a very, very much a new all-time high. Where it is—is—is is, is there? I don't really know if there's traditionally an opportunity for me to get the 52, but hey, I have call games on ESPN Plus and Nesson Plus so far this year. So hey, we have grown um, as an individual and on the podcast as well. So welcome back. And today earlier featured on the Fumble Rooski podcast, which we had Chris Costage on recently, uh, who was a member of that Fumble Rooski podcast. Had him on recently and um, was able to go back now and join them and uh, a lot of good football talk, obviously, from Baruski Podcast. I think it'd be pretty football-specific. Uh, I'll be talking a lot of NFL on my own podcast as well. We're responding to some calls in text. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the injuries going on, uh, a general look at the NFL. Uh, there was a lot of – I had a lot of live reactions on the Fumbaruski Podcast to a lot of the trades that were going down. Uh, nothing crazy and too in-depth. Um, let me preface it by saying that with the trade deadline – None of these deals really changed my complete opinion of some of these teams. Like they weren't like true blockbusters. And the trade that I want to get into uh, in, uh, right after NFL three up three down, we're getting to NFL three up three down as well, um, is the James Harden trade. And then we're gonna take a look at the World Series a little bit. So it's gonna be a bounce around type of episode, but um, mainly we're gonna be heavy on the football here, heavy on the football. So NFL and the Achilles tear, Kirk Cousins goes down with the Achilles tear and it's been a uh, it's been a change with the the injuries these players are suffering and the non-contact injuries are up and I've said it before and said it again about movement patterns and go to training and everything and you can go above and beyond and do the research and how much I've had to say about that how much I've believed in that style of training so on and so forth there's a lot to break down when it comes to that but you know, the, the Kirk I mean, the Kirk Cousins won seriously unfortunate considering he's in a contract year. He's leading the NFL in touchdown passes, been an incredibly uh, productive quarterback, and since he's been in that O'Connell system has certainly been uh, as impressive as well. Um, but obviously going down with the Achilles injury, now they went from one and four to four and four. They started off 0 and three. They were they were picking up steam and again it comes down to to like they, they care about player safety and hitting up top, right? But like, you know, my initial reaction to a lot of the two, other than the movement pattern and stuff, which I'll, I'll give you some statistics on it too. Um, Achilles tendon ruptures in the NFL. 2020, there was a total of 17 Achilles ruptures. Uh, 2021, there was a total of 16 Achilles ruptures. 2022, there was a um, total of 18. And now by week eight of this season, there's 18. So... 67% of those have been on grass, so more than turf, so it's not exactly the artificial field argument. 78% non-contact. So, like, my like, part of my initial reaction is, too, is you don't want players getting hit up top, right? Um, you don't want players getting crushed in the head, and guys are going lower, and when we're wrapping and rolling and rolling up on guys, um, it certainly changes um, the effects in the body. So you're not getting rattled up top. But I'm not saying, I'm not trying to compare all these, these ligament and joint injuries to the fact that I'd, you know, they, we'd rather have CTE and concussions uh, than these ligament and joint injuries. That's not what I'm saying. Like, I don't think anybody wants injuries at all. But 
in the reality of yes like this is going to like how this is taking place now is obviously going to affect this more like players are still going to get hurt it's still a violent football is still a very much a violent game and if you're you know not putting all your body weight in a quarterback probably means you're wrapping and rolling and if he gets caught up in a bunch of bodies might roll the ankle a certain way might pop at a kill weeks might tear an acl valgates to the knee uh first of all moving compromise moving patterns are just compromised like we're just loading pressure into our, our feet and through our joints and through our ligaments like just the wrong way it's just how it's happening how it's going down um there's really nothing you can like say to prove it otherwise like people just have compromised movement patterns from the triple extension lifting and from the training programs we're going through and how players have been taught to lift and move their entire careers like it's just how it is it's just people are these injuries are going to take place these non-contact injuries but like i said on top of that like this whole player safety movement to prevent concussions and go low um yeah less hits to the head are going to happen and we're going to have you know less dirty hits and people in the secondary getting laid out and maybe less spinal and neck injuries and but if we're wrestling guys to the ground and awkward tackles happen, these are going to happen too. Like it's a violent game. Like things like this are going to happen. It is a physical sport, and even on the tackles, like you know, you can't. There's only so much you can do with how you plant your feet and stuff. And obviously, there's still parts of the movement pattern that will help out with that. But there's another part of it too, where you're going to see this type of destruction of those joints and ligaments. Um, take Gronk for example. He tore his ACL against the Browns. Like when they absolutely bashed into him right into his knee. Like. They could, first of all, you couldn't hit Gronk up high. Um, and he said, you know, basically he came out when he when it happened and said, I don't want guys going low. Like, I'd rather you go up top. And a lot of people, like, running backs as well too, maybe. I mean, of course, it's always tracking the near hip, and that's the new form of tackling, and low man wins, and understand all of that. But it has changed. Like, the way that we tackle, the way that we move, the way that these athletes are taking care of business, um, how they're doing it. This is going to happen. You might have less head injuries, but it's still a violent game. Things are going to happen. So if you're tackling differently, we're keeping the head out of it. You might get this more uh, awkward wrestling. And again, Gronk was a guy that said, like, I'd rather you not do that. I'd rather you hit me up high. I mean, probably couldn't tackle Gronk up high. And secondly, some people might say that Gronk didn't have much to protect up in the noggin area up top. But it's either here nor there. Julian Edlund said he's very intelligent football guys um, out there. But yeah, I mean, overall, just a really, really unfortunate injury to Kirk Cousins you continue to see uh, those injuries go up the non-contact injuries go up and it's something that you don't like to see but like I said overall like this is what's going to happen it's still a violent game you're still trying to protect players right you're trying to protect their heads and protect um, their well-being long term well this is also a portion of that it's a guy in his contract year uh, well they've since uh, traded for Josh Dobbs but again it's a guy's in a contract year so I don't know how long this is going to go into the next season, what he's going to get paid, who's going to be willing to work with him. Because, I, again, as, as good as he's been this season and as good as a decent of a quarterback as I think he is, do I think that Kirk Cousins is the answer there? No, I don't think he's the problem in Minnesota, but I don't think he's the answer either. So I think that there's, they're going to go a different route, and I don't know who's really going to take a shot on him considering now the injury. Can he bounce back from it? Uh, certainly not going to be getting a contract that I think he probably would have gotten from some team that was desperate for a quarterback. Um, so an unfortunate situation for him, a you know, religious guy, a hard worker, a disciplined uh, person, seems like a good teammate, seems like a lot of his teammates like him. Um, fortunately, never, I'm not going to kick a guy while he's down, but never won anything. Um, never won anything. Never won big games. I mean, in terms of how it went in prime time, it, yeah, never really panned out for him. 
in, in the big moments. So, I, I mean, that's one thing. Uh, but that, that has nothing to do with the injury itself. It's just like, how much are you really losing? Josh Dobbs, he's serviceable, but it's not a Super Bowl team. I don't think it was even with Kirk Cousins healthy. So I, I think it allows them, it, it honestly could be more of a little bit of a blessing for the Vikings to be able to approach it from the perspective of like, now we can make, start to evaluate what the future is without Kirk because now kind of answers that question for him. Like, hey, do you keep him around? Do we not keep him? Like, do we keep him? Do we not keep him? Do we pay him a, a boatload more of money? Now you can kind of approach it from the perspective of this decision has made it for us. How do we move forward? Who's the next guy in charge? A lot of young weapons in the receiver core there. You have a pretty strong O-line. Flores continuing to coach that defense and trying to build that defense up. You have the pieces in place, I think, to make a run, especially being in a weaker division. The Lions have been very good, but the Packers and Bears don't look like they're going to be functional at all in your future. You, ha- I think you're a quarterback away. How do you find that quarterback and you know, keep those pieces around? Because you're going to have a, if you draft a guy, you have a cheap quarterback. So maybe a cheaper quarterback to build around. You have expensive weapons around, but that's okay because you're not paying your quarterback yet. I think that is the. It kind of might be a blessing in disguise for the Vikings, but they have a very tight window where they can make this work too. So they have to make the right decisions when it comes to uh, personnel department and who they draft. So. Uh, certainly a question mark for them to answer and certainly an unfortunate uh, situation for Kirk Cousins, but I wanted to leave with that in terms of uh, what I see out of like the situation it- itself and the injuries overall and how that's going. Yeah, not not ideal for Kirk Cousins, but also this is something that I think you're going to see trending considering how they're teaching players to tackle, how they are tackling, um, and you know the head injuries and player safety as well. Next up, we're going to move into... The voicemails, we're going to move on to the phone lines. I got one caller this week. We're going to give a response to it. It, Again, please, 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 please give us a call on the show. Leave us a voicemail. It doesn't have to be just towards prompted questions either. It can be towards anything. Um, So, like, any type of your sports takes, not anything, anything. I'm not here taking the anything phone call line but at the end of the day like there there's a lot that i'd be willing to respond to in terms of the sports world so uh please be sure to be on the lookout for that and give us a call um let me pull up the number real quick for you guys as well 508-657-4717 is the number so give that a call 508-657-4717 you can leave text and voicemails there you can message me on any of the forums or social media at Rufus Rundown, and then the Rufus Rundown for TikTok and else. Uh, the Facebook page is the Rufus Rundown, and then the website as well, which I'll be working on getting some features for that installed as well. But overall, that is again the number that is 508 657 4717 to reach the Rufus Rundown, and we'll respond to your calls in here. So we're going to give this first one a call. Uh, Buddy Way gave me a call once again, big friend of the show the sauce man and gave us a call we'll take a listen now on the rufus rundown phone line what up lucas this is wade it's been a while since i have you my reactions on some things welcome so, back welcome back my thoughts of the miami dolphins i feel like they're honestly frauds Oof. look at who they've defeated and look at who they've lost to i don't think miami can keep up with all the top-notch teams my, well, Miami themselves going up against KC, Buffalo. Um, I can see them even losing to Jacksonville. I'm going to stop it there real quick because, like, they they did take a tough one to Buffalo. 
Um, KC is going to be hard. I mean, that's just obviously a team. I think they have more receiver talent than KC. But, yeah, I, I think – I do think that all things considered that they haven't played their tougher competition um, to the level that you would like out of a contending team. I, I, complete, I completely agree with that. Um, obviously started off with a three-game win streak. Uh, the loss of the Bills is not ideal. Then you beat the Giants, the Panthers, lose to a tough team, the Eagles. But then you beat the Patriots. Uh, once again, you continue to do that. I mean, the big you know, 70 to 20 game over the Broncos certainly inflates a lot of their statistics. It certainly uh, caught a lot of people's eyes in terms of just what we thought of this team. And overall, um, I still think they're a legit team. Again, Chiefs coming up. Then a soft spot with the Raiders. You have a Jets team that's been playing really well in defense. And then Salah, who I think has an idea of the McDaniel system himself. Uh, Commanders, Titans. Like, it's not the strongest schedule by any means. I mean, you get a tough one to finish. Uh, with the Ravens and the Bills, the Cowboys, Ravens and Bills, the tough finish to their season. But overall, yes, the strength of schedule has not, and then them losing to two of the better teams that you're gonna they're gonna see throughout the season. Uh, not ideal. They're gonna see the Bills again. So how they readjust in that matter? Yes, but also like they'll sleep on Jacksonville either in terms of the team that I think they can beat. Like Jacksonville's, I think a Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl sleeper, Super Bowl sleeper. Easy for me to say. Um, as well, I'll say that three times fast, but. Yeah, I mean, like, I could see them losing to Jacksonville, but that's not a knock on Miami. I think that's just more of, like, I think credit to Jacksonville and what I think they're going to be. But anyways, I'll continue to listen to the call here. Honestly, maybe even Baltimore. And I've even that's told my too. family beforehand, my bold prediction for the AFC Championship, if everyone stays healthy, I think it's going to be Ravens and Jaguars. Yes. Lamar Jackson stays healthy, absolutely Yes. I just feel like that they just have too much to lose at this point. The Dolphins, I think, are not a fan of their defense. I like their offense, obviously, with Hill, Waddle, Mostert. Tua's been having an MVP season. He very well could finish in the top three. So could Tyreek. Tyreek could finish up there, too. We talked about it in the Fumble Ruski podcast. Again, I'll have all that linked in the description. Big thanks for him having me on. But, yeah, uh, obviously Tyreek Hill, Tua Tagovailoa, Waddle, obviously good. They get Jalen Ramsey back in the secondary, pairing him with Xavier Howard. So that's a plus for them. But, yeah, the defense is certainly going to be a little more suspect than what they have built up in their offense. I am just not a fan of their defense, man. I If they can shape up on defense, we'll see a different story. But as of right now... I can see the Dolphins just be a bunch of frauds right now. But as answering your other question, though, involving who's the scariest team, don't be sleeping on my Denver Broncos now because the Kansas City Chiefs, I think, is going to be a huge momentum shift for us. And heading into the bye week and then playing Buffalo Week 10, if the Broncos can win Week 10 against Buffalo, I'm not saying we're going to make the playoffs, but I feel like that just adds a lot more pressure to other teams. Let me know what you think, brother. Thank you. Well, like, the Chargers and Raiders aren't going to make it harder for you in that division. And the Jets, I think, right now at 4-3, and like, uh, so much quarterback talent. Russell Wilson really hasn't been at fall. He's top five in a lot of legitimate passing categories, and of course, it was not going to be an overnight thing for Sean Payton. I mean, maybe it was pitched to everybody as an overnight thing. And, of course, it came out at a very slow start. But, yeah, it's a huge victory over Kansas City. I think it breaks a streak of 17 losses in a row to the Chiefs dating back to 2015. Um, yeah, uh, impressive. Uh, impressive win. Um, they've been trending in the right direction since that big uh, loss to Miami, I think, overall. I think um, 
yeah, it was tough. It was, it's been it's been tough. It, it was tough early on. Um, starting off again, zero and three. We know the statistics were. Then you beat the Bears. Then you continue to lose to you know the Jets and the Chiefs. And you had a home game against the Jets. You lose and those are the Zach Wilson led Jets. But they've been able to rattle off wins against the Packers and Chiefs. The defense kind of sorted itself out, uh, which has been taking a while. And Russell Wilson hasn't been truthfully that bad. So. They've lost a lot of close games. They lost the first two weeks by a combined three points. And then you have the Dolphins who blow them out of the water. They get a you know tight win against the Bears and they come from high effort. Then uh, you know you lose to the Jets, you lose to the Chiefs, but you get the Chiefs in the, on, the, on the second go-around after defeating the Packers. I mean, can I say playoff team? No, but if, Russell, but if the defense is, is not like abysmal and Russell Wilson cont- continues to play at the level he's at, yeah, I can see them... Uh, making noise and maybe not being like a sleeper team overall, but a sleeper playoff team, um, I think for sure. So overall, Wade, thank you so much for the call. Take a look at the recent week. I, I just want to you know preface all my NFL talk with saying that football in New York should be banned. Uh, Twenty-four total punts was ridiculous. I would say that I like that 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 game was disgusting to watch, but considering how much red zone I watch, I didn't really watch much of it. They didn't really score. Nobody did any twenty-four punts. I mean, hey, listen, I, I won my pool this week, and the Jets cover came back to cover. It's minus two and a half. Love it for me on that sheet. But 24 punts. We need to ban football. Give me two XFL teams. Like, can we like do relegation here? Can we do something like um, the Premier League? And can we relegate these teams? I mean, it's ridiculous. 24 total punts. I talked about the Football Rooster podcast as well. Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I, I just was awful. wasn't football. It was just, I don't even know. Rugby? But, you know, it moves the Jets to 4-3, and three, and I'm sure they'll take it with Zach Wilson in there and the injury to Aaron Rodgers. Sure, they'll take it. But, good Lord, was it disgusting. How does the Giants just, just ban fo- football in New York? It just We should just whew, almost like it set football back 40 years. Ridiculous. But Bryce Young also got his first victory, number one pick versus number two pick. The, the Panthers, hey, they get there. Get their first victory. Bryce Young gets the first one under his belt. I, I don't. The situation that he came into in Carolina, obviously not a good one. Um, uh, but we'll see how Bryce Young. You know, it's been it's been an incredibly rough start for him, but under a lot of pressure. Uh, but good to see him, especially considering like the drive they had to go on late too. Um, yeah, good win for Bryce Young and the Panthers. And again, uh, touching upon just pretty much everything. We're gonna get into the trade deadline next. Not anything too in depth, but I am gonna break down the moves that happen. NFL three up, three down coming up as well. Uh, the James Harden trade and my reaction and a World Series update. All that next. Stay tuned on the Rufus Rundown podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rufus Rundown. I had to take a little step away there while I was recording. It actually kind of works out in my favor um, for this episode because, A, it's, it's quite quite cold in here, so I got the sweatshirt on, so that hoodie on, that's good. Uh, and also, well, I mean, it's not a positive in the sense that someone got fired, but it's a positive in the sense that I can react to it now, and I have not missed this news cycle, and that is Josh McDaniels uh, being fired along with almost a, a big turnover in uh, the majority of that coaching staff there. But it's something that we talked about, um, once again, a little bit in the Fumble Ruski podcast. Um, but, yeah, they they fired um, Dave Ziegler, uh, Josh McDaniels, 
and I woke up to the news, um, came out of nowhere because there's a lot of his contract and left. And, you know, of course, um, Davis has stood behind them the, the, pretty much the entire time, and but it's been rocky. You can tell that there's been a there's been culture issues there, uh, performance issues, obviously considering, um, you know where they're sitting. I mean they are again they're, they're they're second to last in yards per game, last in rushing yards per game, and then and then in terms of points per game, um, as well they are quite low. Uh, they are bottom they are bottom three. They are the third worst team in the league, in terms of points per game, only. In front of his former Patriots and the New York Giants, so uh, not not good, not good. Um, they you know obviously Antonio Pierce is set to uh, be the interim, so it's a little bit more of a uh, a younger charge kind of going forward. But the GM too, because obviously um, you know the Denver, the whole Denver debacle that, that came with Josh McDaniels, I never tr- like truthfully could put on him um, because it, they drafted Tebow, that was Elway's guy. They went with, and it was they were quick to get rid of him. Um, they've had the quarterback right, but this time they went after his guy. They wanted he wanted Garoppolo. They went after his quarterback, um, and it has not played out. Regardless of injuries and stuff like that, they can say like, oh, well, if he was on the field, maybe no. Like we're not we're not gonna have that conversation. We're not gonna have a conversation because it was his pick. Like that, this was well known. It's not like he just started getting hurt. Like this is well known that Jimmy Garoppolo had struggled with staying on the field so like this is something you knew um coming in so again mark davis uh came out and said after much thought about what the raiders need to do to move forward i have decided to part ways with josh and dave i want to thank them for both for their hard work and wish them and their families nothing but the best also um with a little bit of a kicker of the fact that there's millions of dollars of the contracts probably left owed to these guys um he didn't really elaborate on like the whole thing but again the linebackers coach Antonio Pierce gonna be the interim head coach. Um, Champ Kelly will serve as the in, uh, interim GM, and I think um, yeah, Bo, uh, Hardegree will be promoted the offensive coordinator, the quarterbacks coach. So um, the players were were certainly involved in a lot. That's been the report. The players were involved um, in the decision to to move on. Uh, it's been nothing but a mess since. I mean, Gruden had showed some promise there, but of course everything went on with the, the emails and that stuff being leaked out and Basaccia came in and went to the playoffs and they go with McDaniels after that. And again, I wasn't a big fan of hiring an interim head coach, um, considering they don't typically work out, but they stayed away from that as well, which I thought was good, but I didn't know if McDaniels was the answer. And again, he, he bet on his guys and has not worked out by any means. I mean, Again, the, the dysfunction is, is clear. You lose to a, a D2 quarterback um, and Bajant, this Lions loss um, as well. I mean, it's his first start, former former D2 quarterback, and now his first start. Comes out and beats you. Like they, they moved on from Derek Carr in kind of a strange way. They come in with Garoppolo. Um, that's not worked out. Now he's been hurt a lot. Now he's not only not worked out, he's going to be benched. Oh, even more so just ability-wise, they're going with – Aiden O'Connell really hasn't shown you an incredible amount, so it's um, it's certainly a wild time in Vegas as it normally um, is and has been. They haven't really used Hunter Renfro much. It, it's been nothing but dysfunction for them there, and it's I think it's present in the screen. I mean, we're going based off of reports and stuff, so it's like it's not like I'm physically there to tell you, but I think it's clear that there's some serious dysfunction going on there, and the Raiders continue to run through coaches. I think they're twelfth. 
it would be the eighth different head coach in a regular for the Raiders since um, Davis took control for Al Davis. And I think overall in the last 20 years, um, this will be, I think, the 12th coach in the last 20 years. I think that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, dysfunction. So overall, um, never came together. And I don't know what it's going to be, but obviously um, younger former player taking over now. It might shock the locker room a little bit. We'll see. They're one. They, these are one of my three down teams uh, as well. So it kind of covers this for three up, three down, which is coming right around the corner. Um, so yeah, they're one of my three down teams. So that's a tease there. Um, so pretty much covering that now, considering uh, that reaction. So it covers that, and then we'll give you the other two, three down as well, and then we'll have the three ups. But we also, I also want to talk about the NFL trade deadline, everything that went on there. Uh, I'm not going to be going through like, each trade individually, like, like I've said before earlier in the show, and even more so now. I don't think any of these moves truthfully transform any of these teams. Uh, but the final results of trades um, this season, Chase Young to San Francisco, Montez Sweat to the Bears, Leonard Williams going to the Seahawks. Again, those are the top of the list. Kevin Byer to Philadelphia. Um, these are some of the the more impact ones. Of course, Rasul Douglas going to the Bills as well. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think they just lost Mosley, the return guy. Um, and they need some speed throw over the top. Ezra Cleveland uh, going to the Jags. So Dobbs obviously going to Minnesota and going to lose one of the O-linemen um, that they have there protecting you know, Kirk Cousins. Uh, Contavious Street to the Falcons. McCole Hardman back to KC. Uh, these aren't all deadline deals. These are just overall the trades. And Randy Gregory also went to San Fran. J.C. Jackson to New England. Chase Claypool to the Dolphins. Van Jefferson to Atlanta. Cam Akers to Minnesota. Again, none of these are true, I think, like, shocking moves. The Chase Young one, they didn't really get much for Chase Young, but he hasn't been the same player uh, he was prior to the ACL tear. But playing alongside Nick Boza, he draws a lot of attention. That might create, you know, some, some sort of like a – a benefit for him because of how focused teams are going to be on stopping Nick Bose. I think Chase Young's going to be able to take advantage of that. And you, you might see um, their pass rush step up even more and more and have to, you know, simulate the rest, uh, less pressure and <laughs> rush with four with Young and Boza and Gregory rotating in as well. I'm sure you could slide one of those guys inside and pass rushing downs as a three tech and let him wreak havoc um, and then slide Gregory outside. You can put Gregory outside use Chase Young like in kind of a three-tech spot or Boza, however you want to do it. You certainly, you know, be able to cause problems with guys like that. So, once again, there's, there's a couple deals here or there that the Bayard one adding a safety. The Eagles know what they're trying to get after and where they need to add parts. Leonard Williams, a defensive lineman. I don't know if he's a true uh, game changer, but it certainly helps the Seattle Seahawks team that with the injuries to the 49ers, they know that they have to make moves. Um, now, and adding to a pass rush, I think, is – and this is the defensive line as a whole. Leonard Williams really just all over the Bears going for Montez Sweat, obviously trying to add to the pass rush. And they really truthfully replaced uh, Khalil Max. They moved on from him. Not that Mack was a true game changer other than, like, his first year there. So, I mean, like, that's more of, like, a long-term one as well, too. I, I, he's not a rental because what are the Bears doing this season? They're not, they're not winning. So, yeah. Raiders move on from McDaniels. They were part of the three down. Overall, this is a dysfunction, how they went down to the, to the Lions. It looked like they had... No fighting them, no cohesive, just no connection. Uh, I'll go through the individual statistics when we get there, but yeah. Trade deadline, the Chase Young one stands out, the Leonard Williams one too, but those are really the only, th and Kevin Byard, you know, not a bad uh, secondary player. The Dobbs, obviously, there to right the ship. There's some guys that could make impacts for sure, but 
nothing that's truthfully game breaking, and I think in- incredibly sh- incredibly shocking. So I'm gonna stay away from like an individual breakdown of each. So we're gonna go to NFL now. NFL three up, three down, and. First three-up team we have is the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I think overall they should be in the top five of your power rankings at this point. Because I, I think they've won, won like six games in a row it is now. Um, something along the lines of that. So they've won five games in a row, six overall. They had a tough loss to the Chiefs, loss to the Texans, which is where you started to think that things were kind of going to go sideways for this team. But then, you know, rattling off five in a row, they beat a team that they're supposed to beat in the Falcons. Uh, Upset win over the Bills. Uh, What would be considered an upset win, really? Still a good, talented Bills roster. Uh, Beat the Colts, which they should have done. Beat the Saints, which I think in all reality they should have done at this point. Um... I mean, Fossum Row doesn't drop that. You might be in a different uh, different position, but overall. And then a Steelers team, they should have beat the Steelers team the way they did. Um, you'd like to see more out of Trevor Lawrence, yes. But overall, I've still been I've, I've still been pretty impressed with um, what the team's been able to do. They've, he's been able to manage the game well. Uh, I think they have a balanced offense in terms of what they do running the football as well as what they're able to do uh, throwing the football. They're kind of middle of the pack in both. Uh, but overall, I still think that in terms of like turnover differential um they have a positive differential in turnover one of the top teams in terms of uh, turnover differential so not only do they force turnovers they don't turn the ball over themselves um defensively i don't think they've been bad either um again they haven't been great defensively uh, but they haven't been terribly they, they, they go towards the bottom in terms of total defense but then scoring defense is where you really start to look and where you know scoring defense really matters and while they're not like top top-notch um, in terms of scoring defense. They're still a solid squad. Um, one of the better teams in the league. So I think with the positive turnover differential, you have Josh Allen off the edge for them. You have a top-ten quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Okay, that's the formula. Uh, they added some O-line help. That's where I think they kind of lack. But overall, this is a team that, especially considering the weakness of what I think that division has, um, certainly can get their, you know, themselves up there in home field advantage, and that changes things dr- drastically and dramatically going forward. But overall... In terms of some of the top movers, what they've been able to do recently, I think that certainly elevates them as my top three-up team. The Bengals following up the Jaguars. Joe Burrow, another. This is now a top-five quarterback for sure. And Joe Burrow, again, something about those early-season woes, but then turning it around uh, as it comes around. Joe Burrow has certainly flipped the script. And, again, this is one of the... Most incredible it factor players here with the early season woes due to maybe some injury and maybe some just you know early you know they they play they played a lot until late in the season recently and but they you know they beat a banged up 49ers team that's the only thing that worries me uh, long term this Bengals team is that they haven't really beaten anybody in the sense I mean the 49ers yes solid squad Seahawks yes solid squad how it went down in those games but at the end of the day all that matters is you are getting a W I mean they're competing in an incredibly difficult division considering. Uh, the Steelers, but I don't know where their offense is going and quarterback situation there, health-wise, not ability-wise, because it seems like Matt Canada hasn't exactly uh, been stellar for them, and that's been a question for them going forward. I mean, Ravens, looks like Lamar could very well be an MVP candidate, even though the stats don't stand out there. I think that in terms of his game management skills have wildly improved, and then 
the Browns do the Browns defense. I don't think it's sustainable with the quarterback play that they're going to get, regardless whether Deshaun's healthy or not. But overall, it's still a team that you're formerly going to meet. So they haven't really done well within their division this season so far. So they're going to have to pick that up. But overall, I think this is a um, it's an impressive win this week over this 49ers team. And I think that this Bills game coming up is certainly a big deal. Um, it's gonna it's gonna have a lot of playoff implications. I think home field implications, and once again, which it was last year, it's kind of like a it's a rematch from one of the most crazy moments I think any of us have ever seen in professional sports. At least for me personally, since I've been on this planet, I think it's one of the most uh, wild situations, maybe the most wild situation. I mean, the start of season five was a strictly Demar Hamlin comment, so content I should say. So we'll see what the future holds for the Bengals, but considering how they've been able to improve. Um, offensively i think with the health of burrow obviously improving uh, along the way has uh, been a big deal as they move towards the top 10 in terms of passing categories i've liked the way the run game has been able to pick up as well too it, it they're uh, a top five rushing team in the nfl which i think is a big thing in terms of being able to protect joe burrow um is being able to run the ball so i mean like his pass pro obviously is different uh from run blocking they have one of the better um they're not too high. Um, they're one of the, have one of the better. I'm sorry, that was one of the better rush defenses in terms of rushing uh, per game uh, themselves statistically. They don't rank um, that high. They're one of the better rush defending teams. They're lower there in terms of their defenses actually kind of bailed them out in a sense. I was looking at the <laughs> wrong um, wrong sheet. They had it labeled up wrong, but you can see how lately they have ticked it up. Um, defensively, they kind of held it down. I think they've been able to run the ball better recently, which is going to allow them to take better shots and play action and protect Burrow better and run more of a balanced offense. Um, so I think a lot of their stats uh, are inflated in the sense where if they aren't scoring as much in terms of higher-scoring teams, uh, it's because of how early on that Titans game certainly affects them in those statistics and the health of Joe Burrow. Uh, but overall, they're going to have to not they're going to have to beat some really good teams down the stretch. But overall, they have moved up. I, I think one of the biggest moving teams and beating a team like the 49ers even if banged up um is a big deal and worth note so final team for the three up the tennessee titans tennessee titans have been i wouldn't even step down they've just been down but again this is a um variable coach team it's a gritty team they're gonna find a way i think he's a gritty guy i think that's how uh, how it goes. I mean, they had the loss of the Saints early. They were able to beat the Chargers, but then again, like, I don't, Staley, you don't really believe him. Loss to the Browns, really bad loss to the Browns. Big win versus the Bengals, and then tough loss to the Colts, the Ravens. They were able to beat the the Falcons, but not they don't just beat the Falcons in that game. It was it was the Will Levis show, right? Like, Will Levis finally gets a shot. I mean, Tannehill threw two touchdowns um, through the first six games of the season, right? in steps will levis and absolutely lights it up now got to play in the short week he's playing tomorrow night and we'll see how he holds up there but overall i mean 238 yards 19 and 29 four touchdowns he looked comfortable uh certainly comfortable was taking big shots of deandre hopkins um again this is this is a guy where has certainly been criticized has um slipped in the draft past where he thought he was supposed to go where everybody thought he was supposed to go of course, I mean it's they haven't they didn't really beat anyone in the Falcons team, but a win is a win in your debut, and he hung tight in there, and you know I, I think that it was the right move to go to Will Levis because you've already seen, while not much of Malik Willis, you've still seen him, and I don't and I think that like 
the the eye test there is like well like in fans in terms of that too like you, you've seen what you have in Malik Willis and if he wasn't able to show you any spark then there's obviously a reason they drafted Will Levis like you have to give it a shot so they've been able to win at home three and one at home and they're gonna have to you know see what the future holds for them as they're going on the road for the next three so that's a tough part of the schedule but it's the Steelers Buccaneers and Jaguars so that Jaguars one could prove to be big if Will Levis does decide to go on a run here but Obviously, you know, dropping into the second round has something to prove, and it's uh, certainly impressive to see what he was able to do in that debut game. Can he repeat it? I don't know, but I certainly think that uh, with the way their defense has played overall, um, offensively, they've certainly struggled. I think defensively, uh, again, you can only do so much uh, defensively. <laughs> and you can only do so much defensively when your offense really isn't doing too well uh, at the same time. So, I think, again, those are numbers that are kind of inflated based off of how much of the offense they haven't been getting. Um, but, you know, in terms of, you know, turning the ball over as well, too, they haven't been exactly stellar in that department. They have a negative turnover differential. Um, they're not really getting takeaways, and they threw a lot of interceptions early on in the season. So fumbled a couple times as well. So, I mean, again, you got to take care of the ball better. But if you have a guy who's truthfully out there, uh, slinging it comfortably, making plays the way that Will Levis was. I, I think that that's one of the reasons why they should be one of the biggest movers uh, this week in terms of how you look at the season going forward. And that division's kind of wide open, right? You have a rookie quarterback, and you have the Colts on a backup quarterback, and now you have um, the Jags, who, again, like they're one of the movers in terms of like how I think they've played overall in managing games. But considering you should have, um, if, if you're going to play at that level, um, I think they're a well-coached bunch. Um, and now they have a guy who's aggressive and able to take shots like that and i think that totally transforms them again is it again this is a question of it's is it sustainable i don't know but in terms of a week to week i think that that moves them up way way higher like if Tannehill beat them in like a 10-7 game i wouldn't be talking about these titans going to three and four but considering how will levis did it i certainly think that that elevates them so in terms of the three down the the negative right the teams that have shifted down the the la rams the la rams <laughs> like where have we gone since the super bowl right Never hasn't really worked out for them since um, that Super Bowl. It's unfortunate um, how it's gone down. Stafford's injured again, and I don't want to kick them while they're down. But um, yeah, no, they've been they've been bad. They've been flat out bad. Um, there's they've been in some close games, some games that you know if they swing a different way, we might be having a different conversation. Like the Niners game, like the Bengals game, um, the loss to the Eagles as well. But they beat the Cardinals team they were supposed to beat, but then a tough loss to the Steelers, uh, blowing that lead and then blowing blown out by the Cowboys uh tough to go on the road but that little road stint with the Eagles Cardinals and Steelers you'd like to see them um pick up two or three there um they were you know the close one with the Bengals on the road and the big win for them uh beating the Seahawks early I, it's it's tough Pukunaku was obviously uh fifth round pick so obviously that's worked out for them uh but now Stafford's going to be out for a period of time they're going to be going to the backup um and how they just haven't they've never shown that same spark right they've never shown that same spark since that period of time i mean it's still offensively they're still up there in terms of total yards per game um in terms of points per game not ranking that high which again that comes down to uh just some of the you know, red zone playmaking of course the cooper cup injury was a thing early on in the season and still now they're gonna have to deal with stafford so I, that's why i see them moving down i think injuries more or less too i mean they haven't been able to get the they haven't had that decisive edge in those close games that's the biggest difference we haven't seen the same dominant Aaron donald we haven't we, i mean they overspent a lot right so the cap was taken up by a lot of guys they haven't had the cap to make moves uh, for certain playmakers they haven't drafted as well and 
they haven't had that same edge and certainly another loss the way that they did it in, in such a fashion to the Cowboys who are a team who are kind of known for playing down to competition they show up and blow you out of the water like that's like a game you expect Dallas to really kind of put their foot down and you would hope that the Rams would hang in like the Rams want that game and want to hang in that game and still get you know throttled by the Cowboys so I mean it's, it's a bad it's a bad loss and we'll see what they're able to do with the upcoming schedule they, they traveled to Green Bay and it's a Green Bay team that they should beat and should be able to keep in the conversation but they have a backup quarterback but it's against Jordan Love I mean I still think that's a game that the Rams should win on paper but then you have the Seahawks you're at the Cardinals it's the Cardinals are a team even with a backup that you should be able to beat even if Kyler Murray's not back I think there's a lot of dysfunction there. then you have the Browns so it's backup quarterback backup quarterback then, you know, the Ravens, the... I mean, I, again, like, I... Stafford, we'll see when he's able to make the return, if it's ever... If it's going to be worth a note. Then Ravens, Commander, Saints, those are... That Ravens game could, you know, could be big, depending on what they do in these next couple. I mean, that's looking well, well forward, but they have a weaker close of the schedule. You know, so, I mean, realistically, they could... Uh, they could hang around, right? I mean, but, again, I haven't seen it from... I haven't seen it from this bunch, and that's why they're part of my three down. Again, we've already touched upon the Raiders, but just they're part of the three down too. And like I said, just bad loss in the line. It's a couple bad losses overall, and just don't want to continue to kick McDaniel's and the whole coaching staff. We'll see how they decide to move forward. But overall, the Raiders have not. This is on McDaniel's. I mean, McDaniel's and the GM Ziggler. Yes, they they go down and are fired. Obviously, yes, but. Again, they, they made their picks to get their quarterback, and the quarterback hasn't been on the field. And we know that injuries were an issue with him, and it just has never come together. And obviously, it's created kind of a toxic culture. There. So we'll see how they're able to respond throughout the season, but certainly not seeing anything from them. And they have been um, quite the disaster. My last team, team that's been selling off parts here, sold at the deadline. And they've been in some tight battles with one of the best teams in football, um, not just this year, but in recent years. They're getting a really – I mean, they won the first two games of the season. They won the three-game skid. We were able to battle back. It's a bad loss to the Giants the week before. It's the Washington Commanders. I mean, Sam Howell has actually performed very, very well. I mean, overall, he's, he's, he's throwing the ball very well. Almost 400 passing yards um, in this past week. Like, I don't think they were expecting much from Sam Howell, all things considered, but – you know, they're actually getting good numbers. He's going for over 2,000 yards this season. Um, he can move in the pocket. He can move around. He has a rushing touchdown, but he's completed over 66% of his throws. He's, you know, he's turned the ball over quite a bit. He's been, like, the most sacked quarterback in football. Um, but, I, again, like, I, I'm not terribly upset with what Sam Howell's done for this commander squad. and it, But... Yeah, selling is the right thing to do because they just don't they just don't have the future. I mean, you got the, you're traveling to New England now. You got to play the Patriots. The travel to Seahawks. You should. You have the Giants at home. You should be beating the Giants at home. The Giants are a dumpster fire. But then you have Cowboys, Dolphins, Rams. That could be a meat grinder and a tough Jets team uh, defensively. I mean, I've been kind of impressed with some of the throws Howell was making. Um, and there's some games here that they you know should have won. Really, I think. I think that. Eagles game on the road, they hung tough in, but then you lose to the Bears the way that they did, and losing like, losses to the Bears and Giants. No, like, those are the teams you should be beating. Like if you're hanging tough with the Eagles, you should be able to you know respond. But again, don't have the capacity to emotionally respond to a tough loss to Philly. You go and lose to a team who I think you're better than um, in the Bears, and again, it's just 
they just don't have again that could be coaching too i could see that them moving on from the coach um as well they're one of the again like i have been impressed with sam howell overall and, and their offense hasn't been terrible the commander's offense i mean could certainly be better you look at the defense though too with like rivera being a defensive um style head coach are one of the worst defenses in the league so again they've they've maybe some of that's inflated with howell because they've had to throw and do so much through the air uh trailing late they have you know young running backs young pieces mclaurin um again they need that's that system needs a culture shock and i feel bad because he's been you know trying i mean he's most sack quarterback in football so being able to throw as much as he has and being sacked that much being able to hang in there just want to try and keep him healthy i don't think i don't know if he's a franchise guy but it almost seems like it's like considering where you got him in the capital that you had to give up for i'm like hey like this isn't bad but there's some games that they should have won this this could be a playoff they, I, I think the commanders could be a playoff team just with a different coaching staff but we'll see um when new, new staffs come in they move on from players who think differently um certainly selling off parts like they did and that loss on top of it certainly puts them as one of the teams moving down in the power rankings that's my final three down team so now we go to the nba and james harden finally getting dealt we'll get into a world series update as well but the james harden trade it's a, it's a big win by the 76ers getting rid of him right i mean i said it in the previous podcast and teams that are overrated that we should not um consider anything about it is it was or was the 76ers now it's this i'll just change that to the clippers until they until they had moved off of james harden i didn't see them doing anything serious like truthfully so again he's a 10-time all-star they traded james harden pj tucker and Petra said to the Clippers for Marcus Morris, who replaces Tuck and Covington, who are two Covington formerly with the 76ers. Uh, those are you know, guys that can wing defenders, kind of swing defenders like Tucker, um, Batum as well, KJ Martin, um, a first round pick, two second round picks, and then a 20 to 29 pick swap, and an additional first round pick from the Thunder. I mean, they have so many, they should just start handing those out uh, at this point. So. Again, like you're not missing any, you're getting more role players to surround Joel Embiid. You have now the cap room. You have space for Tyrese Maxey to grow. This is exactly what I wanted um, the 76ers to do. I think this is an absolute win for them because getting win of getting rid of James Harden is a win in itself. So being able to not only do that but get it for some serious role players that'll be able to help out, I think it's an absolute W for them. And I think getting him out of there is a team cancer you see him wearing the fat suit in houston like how often he's requesting for trades from brooklyn like this guy is not a good teammate at least what are the i'm not in those locker rooms like but you, you just you start to kind of realize more and more he's just not a good teammate he's not a guy that you want around in the locker room and i think he's a career underachiever and a team cancer and you just don't want him in your locker room so now you have the clippers with a team of you know Kawhi leonard's one one but realistically that's a team of underachievers as well too so just 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 add that in there i mean Maybe we're so heavy on winning rings nowadays, but I don't know. I see that as a team of underachievers and James Harden. I would be happy to have James Harden off my roster if I'm the 76ers. Now you have the freedom to go make a move for another star if it comes to be that way. But you might not even need it with if Maxi steps into the role the way that I think he will with Embiid and these role players. I mean, I don't know if you're a player. I mean, Joel Embiid's an MVP. I mean, again, we'll see how it all plays out but i think this is an absolute win by the 76ers it's a absolute loss by the clippers they give up a lot they give up a lot of their bench they give up a lot of capital and they bring in a guy who i don't think puts them any closer to winning a championship i think in terms of his personality it takes you further away from it 
Um, so that's my thoughts on the James Harden trade. It was something I touched upon before. We just didn't have a an official, obviously, report of it. But like I said, I didn't see anything serious from the 76 until they got rid of him. Now I can see that they're going to be better than what I think what I thought they were going to be. Um, and the Clippers, like, I don't think anything of them. Like, they could have been an underrated team as well uh, with Kawhi and Paul George. Maybe you had a different piece, but now they would Russell Westbrook too. I mean, he's an underrated player in the NBA now in, in reality, but if he's in a specific role. But, again, I don't I don't like it. I don't I don't like it for the Clippers. I don't like anybody. I mean, somebody's going to have to deal with it, right? I thought it was Houston who was going to deal with it again, but I didn't really see anything uh, happening for them anyways. So, yeah, I, I think that it's an absolute win for the 76ers to move on from James Harden and an absolute loss to take that cancer on if you're the L.A. Clippers. Now we got the World Series where it really could all end tonight. This is a Rangers team that was below 500 on the road throughout this season but is now undefeated on the road in the postseason. Um, have certainly bottled up some energy. They are one game away from in a gentleman's sweep taking their first ever World Series Again, Corey Seager continuing to do damage. Um, Semyon was big, but Seager just continuing to dominate this postseason. I saw a thing comparing his stats to Reggie Jackson and that he was outproducing Reggie Jackson in the month of October. Of course, the MLB playoffs are a uh, little bit different now, the structure in terms of how many games you play. So that helps inflate that statistics. I'm not reading too much into that one, but uh, yeah. Rangers demolished the Diamondbacks. I don't think this one... I mean, they did try to make a run late, but I don't think this one is completely as close as it would like, seem um, on the scoreboard. So, obviously, overall, one game away. They're one game away, and the Rangers undefeated could be could finish the postseason undefeated on the road. Uh, we've seen it before, though. We've seen the Diamondbacks come back from the dead. They're a resilient bunch. Myself and Andrew Winnie obviously talked about it on our... World Series preview, um, yeah, no, but I mean both, both these teams have been resilient the entire playoffs. But the Diamondbacks maybe a little bit more of the resilient of the bunch. But Semyon, some big time players, uh, Seager obviously doing his thing. And my goodness, what what a series he's had! What a postseason he's had. Noah Dolis Garcia, no problem. Scherzer went down with an injury uh, in Game Three. Didn't matter. They still come out with a win here in Game Four. So certainly impressive in that regard. And now you have Nate Evaldi on the bump tonight, who is 4-0 um, in this postseason, which is certainly, certainly impressive. Uh, you know, dealt with an injury at a point during the season, but you know, considering these playoffs and what he's been able to do in these playoffs, in- incredibly, incredibly dominant. Um, obviously, having pitched on Friday, now I'm going to go uh, back at it trying to, you know, come up well the past Friday uh trying to you know respond to that in the sense of he wants to do better but this is a guy who loves absolutely loves the big moment pitched in game one he's going to have his opportunity once again I think they want to take care of it here um as well because you don't have um you don't want to be in that moment where you're you're running down of your pitching depth right because now Scherzer's injured um trying to deal with that I mean, this, to think that this is a Rangers team that still doesn't have Jacob DeGrom is uh, super, super impressive. But Gallon's going to have to really step up. Zach Gallon's really going to have to show up in this one. 17 wins on the season. Um, you know, didn't have a quality start, but he did take the loss. Um, he didn't take the loss, but he did pitch in a losing effort to the Rangers in game one of the series and uh, wasn't 
really lights out against the Phillies either. This postseason really hasn't been um, incredibly, I would say, polite to him in terms of um, how he's pitched overall. So uh, postseason, you know, he has a ERA over five and a whip of one five. So it hasn't been the ideal postseason run for Zach Gallen being the leading of that staff. I mean, they have uh, Merrill Kelly do what he did. I don't think the Rangers want to see uh, Merrill Kelly again. So, you know, work it out for both of them. Evaldi was a stud in the postseason uh, with the Red Sox in both of their uh, postseason runs and continues to do the same thing um, for the Rangers so far um, this postseason overall in his run, overall in his career. It's certainly certainly has been impressive but yeah postseason so far five starts for gallon two wins two losses and then obviously a no decision um you know walks have been an issue you know, 1.4 walks uh, strikeouts per walk ratio there uh, a little bit so i mean the diamondbacks are certainly gonna have to pick up their defense as well um again this is a big start this is the biggest start of the season um this is a guy that they've relied on all season in zach gallon but of all these been in these moments before too and he does not like to shy away from him i mean Big strikeout pitcher, Zach Gallen. He's going to, you know, over 200 strikeouts so far on the season. He's certainly going to have to quiet the bats in that way. going to have to find a way to quiet Corey Seager because what a series. Um, and what a post, again, postseason uh, he's been having. So, I, I don't know. I, 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 I like Evaldi in the big moment. I picked the game to go six. Gentlemen's in five. I really don't think the Rangers want to see Merrill Kelly. Um but is Gallon is that Gallon due for a good start? Time will only tell. Um, I'm still taking the Rangers. It seems like the momentum's too much, and this whole undefeated uh, road postseason would be quite, quite, quite the um, piece in a resume there. Quite the little bullet point to the season overall um, for the Texas Rangers. So I expect them to take it tonight. And take it to their first World Series championship ever. And it will be down to, I believe, five or four teams. Five teams. Be down to five teams now that haven't won a World Series title. But yeah, I'm definitely taking the Texas Rangers to win the ballgame tonight. They do not want to see Merrill Kelly again. I don't know who would. So, Rangers to win it. But I appreciate everybody that tuned in to today's podcast. We'll be back sometime next week. I'm going to try and get my picks out there somewhere at some point. That is all the time we have today. Be sure to check out the Fumble Rooski podcast as well, where I featured on that as well. So technically, it's my second part of the week, but just not, you know, my own. Um, I will continue trying to get my picks out there. Recently won my pool, so I continued to pick well on the season. But I have to find a way to put them out there and update everybody. So, again, once again, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Be sure to follow on social media at Rufus Rundown. And then for TikTok, it's the Rufus Rundown. Uh, my personals and my business. Uh, social media is be down below. Be on the call for Holy Cross soon enough as well, too, back on ESPN Plus, I imagine, and Nesson Plus coming up in the near future. But once again, stay tuned for that. Follow the social medias to stay up to date with that. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. But for now, you're going to sign off.